Our scripture this morning is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, reading verses 1 through 14. Hear God's word to us this morning. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What does the worker gain from his toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on men. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. That everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil, this is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it, nothing taken from it. God does it so that men will revere him. This is God's word for us this morning. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of doing a, grave, a graveside service, and uh, in thinking about that service, the verse, um, verse 11 of this chapter came to mind, and I, I just could not get away from it. It just stuck with me, and I kept thinking about, what do I, what do I say about this particular verse in this particular context? At, at a graveside service. The verse being, God has set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so I decided, we'll just take this verse, we'll, we'll throw it out there, we'll look at it, we'll examine it, we'll learn from it, and hopefully find some comfort and assurance in it. The verse has stuck with me for the last couple of weeks, and here we are this morning, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to do the same thing with you this morning. The author of Ecclesiastes has been writing for the first two chapters about life under the sun, meaning about what goes on in life on this planet, our experience. And he's looking for the secret to it all, and he looks in different places, and he concludes over and over again, life is meaningless under the sun. 
The best we can do is hope that we have a good life. Now in chapter 3, and the part that we read, he brings God into the picture in a new way. He's inviting us to think beyond the Son. God puts eternity in our hearts so that we might look for him. So that we might understand that there is more to life than what happens on this planet in the lifetime that we have. There's something missing. There's something more that we need to know. That there is a God who cares. And so he puts eternity in our hearts, and we know that this is true because so often when we talk of death, we think of it in terms of a passage. She's gone to a better place. He's not suffering anymore. They get to see old family, old relatives. They're enjoying life with God in a new place. And that's not foreign to us because Scripture even tells us and talks about the reality of Life beyond this life. Job, one of my favorite passages of Job, one of my favorite quotations, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and though I die, I will yet see him in the flesh on this earth. How much he really understood, I don't know, but it's a very powerful statement of faith. When John, or when Lazarus, Mary's and Martha's brother died, Jesus was talking with Martha and says to her, your brother will, not, will live again. And she says, I know that at the, at the last days he will be raised up. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. In fact, if he believes in me, he will never really die. And again, Jesus, talking to his disciples and through them to us, says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be where I am. So this is our hope. This is our assurance. This is that gift from God that we understand that there's something more to life than simply what happens between our birth and our death. The writer goes on to say, he sets eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Let's just ponder that for a little bit. A couple of weeks ago, Ron Hutchcraft does a spot for on Eagle's Wings that I hear on, on the radio. A couple of weeks ago, he was talking about a... Um, report that had been released by sociologists. They estimated there were 8 billion people living on this planet at this time. And his reaction was, isn't it amazing that all of the, out of all of those people, I'm known by God. Isn't it amazing that of all of the 8 billion people on this earth, we say we are known by God. We agree with the psalmist in Psalm 139. We are, are wonderfully created. We are people who were knit together in our mother's womb, confessing that even before one 
of our days became reality, that everything about us was written in his book before one of them came to be. I used to coach um, youth soccer many years ago when my kids were small. And before every, t- every match that I coached, I'd take this blank sheet of paper, and I would put four rectangles on it, representing uh, each quarter of the game that we were playing, and I would take the time to figure out exactly who was going to be playing where in order to make sure that I balanced uh, the playing time to make sure that everybody got their time to play and everybody had to take their turn to sit out. And before I even went to the, to the field, I had that all figured out. God has it all figured out as well. Think about the reality of the situation. God has looked at our lives. He has planned how it fits into his overall plan. He's got it, you know, he's got to figure out all of the details, and he's done that. And it was written down, and then he went about making us so that we would fit the role that he needed us to play in spite of the circumstances that we were going to encounter along the way, good, bad, or otherwise. Or in recollection, in knowing what was going to be needed along the way. If it, as if that isn't amazing enough, think about the reality. This is why, you know, I like the part, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Because in order for, that, for him to make that work for me, it's got to work for a whole lot of other people as well, Right? Because my, inter- my life, my interactions interact with yours. So he's got all of that figured out. I'm the product of my parents and their story, who are the products of their parents and their story, and on and on it goes. I don't know if anybody's here into um, genealogy, how far back can you actually go? And you keep going, and you keep uncovering more and more, and It's all got to make sense, right? Nothing happens by chance, right? We know that. Or we believe that. We should. God had it all figured out from beginning to end before he said, let there be light. The story of life on this planet has already been played out in his mind. He's worked through all of the details. He knows everything that needs to happen for you and I to have our place in his story, the place he wants us to play. He sets eternity in our hearts that we might revere him. As if that's not enough to celebrate this morning. We need to think of the even larger picture. I love um, a presentation that Louis Giglio did uh, many years ago now. Uh, he would 
um, he began talking about the, uh, about the cosmos, talking about different stars. And, and in that presentation, he said something that, that kind of stuck with me. Uh, you know, every time we build a bigger telescope, we find new things out in the universe, things we've never seen before. And so, he, you know, we have the Hubble telescope, and it's showing us new things. And, and God is like, hey, you think that's really cool? Go back, build a bigger, bigger one, bring it out, and I'll show you even more credible things. Then he turned it around and began talking about human beings. You, know, you can go the other way and find it just as, as amazing. The more we, uh, more powerful the microscope, the more we see of the reality of what makes us, makes, us, makes us on the inside. And we can never really completely fathom the amazing way in which God has put life together. It's also true with the reality of our world. We confessed just a little while ago it's broken. Everything we do is marred by sin. Either we deliberately sabotage things or we've experienced something that affects the way that we, in which we act. Again, thinking about the reality of eternity, God had a plan for that as well. And this is our hope. You see, at just the right time, a certain individual was born into the world. And his sole purpose for being here was to be that atoning sacrifice for sin. In building the world and thinking about all that was going to happen under the, under the sun, God also recognized that the only way that it was going to work for him to be able to have us in relationship with, to him was to take the matter into his own hands. And so he sent his son, born of a woman, born into the world, who experienced life on this planet under the sun, just as we do, yet was without sin. God presented Jesus as the atoning sacrifice in order that he could be just and the one who justifies, in order that the story that he put into motion, that the words, let there be light, would actually be the story of our lives. that nothing can separate us from his love. Our passage says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. We confess the reality of sin and the words of the contemporary testimony. We confess the reality of our hope and our faith and the words of Question and answer one of the Heidelberg Catechism. What is our only comfort? It's that we belong body and soul and life and in death to a faithful Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he loves us so much that nothing can happen to us apart from the will of our Father in heaven. And the Spirit assures us of that. So no matter how crazy our life feels, the trials that we face, the joys that we may experience, the highs and the lows coming quickly or years apart, we have this hope, this assurance 
that as we live as his people in his world, we are in his hands. And he does all of this that we might glorify him. Amen. Almighty God, you are indeed beyond our comprehension. For us, for me, it's hard to know what the next day holds. We don't. And we often say, well, that's a good thing, because if we knew what was coming, we would not really want to go there. If we knew the twists and turns in our lives ahead of time. But we are so thankful that you do, that you have taken the time to work everything out so that, indeed, that confession that we make, that all things work together for good to those that love you, is a true statement because you've already worked it out. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the Redeemer, the one who came into the world to reconcile the world to yourself, to reconcile us in a way that allows us to live in the presence of a holy God, even though we are unholy people. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being the one who assures us day in, day out, especially on Sunday as we come together to hear your word, that we truly belong not only in this world, in this life, in this time, but in fellowship with you for eternity. Help us to live in that hope each and every day. Help us to share that good news, to encourage one another, and to encourage others to see you as we live as your people in your world. In Jesus' name, amen.